You're listening to the Quince podcast. A second wave of COVID across India and a lot of unanswered questions. How is this wave different from the first? Is it more infectious? Is it more serious? Are there newer symptoms? And the big question, when can we expect this wave to stabilize? With states struggling to manage a visible shortage of oxygen supply, remdesivir and hospital beds, the situation is grim to say the least all around the country yet again. Certainly in a country as large as India the pandemic wasn't expected to simply vanish away even as the positivity rate the case low the fatality rate all of that had dipped for a short period by the end of 2020 but with covid cases shooting up the waiters now the second wave is appearing more concerning than the first to help us understand this fresh surge a little better and when the second wave can be expected to peak or stabilize i'll be joined by dr avril roy critical care specialist of covid ward at Kolkata's Medica Super Specialty Hospital and Dr Murad Banaji a mathematician at UK's Middlesex University You're tuned in to the big story the podcast where we dissect the headline making news for you and I'm your host Shorbury The one thing that is certainly different in the second wave is that the infection seems to be spreading much much faster than ever witnessed before. Amid an infection explosion in the states of Maharashtra, Karnataka, Uttar Pradesh, Delhi, Kerala and Chhattisgarh, India added a record high number of new cases amounting to 2.73 lakhs on just 19 April taking the country's overall infection tally well beyond 15 million second only to the United States globally. What is suspected to be behind this new spike is a new homegrown variant referred to as the quote unquote double mutant which was first spotted in Maharashtra since the average prevalence of this particular strain was observed to be more than 60% in the genome sequences analyzed by scientists on 1st April 2021 but that is what is suspected by scientists not confirmed by the government yet But what the prevalence of a new strain means is that there's a lot that we don't know about what it can or cannot do such as do vaccines work on this variant is it deadlier than the others can rt pcr tests detect it accurately is the younger demography more vulnerable tests are being conducted to understand this but in the meantime let's hear it from dr avril roy who's been in the front line dealing with covid patients as to what is different in the second wave of infections are not only is the virus more infectious this time but it is also more severe the last wave that we have we did not have this number or this percentage of people in the age group of 30s and 40s with severe disease who were going on high flow oxygen or on bipap or ventilators but this time our requirement of all of these devices on the younger age group is much much higher Also, the last time you had COVID, you had one family member or maybe two family members fall sick, and you know the rest of the family was okay. Mm-hmm. This time, if somebody falls sick in the family, the entire family is infected. So, not only is it more infectious, it's much more deadly as well. Last time, normally people are getting sick around day eight to day twelve. Mm-hmm. This time, we get sick by day five, day six itself. Mm-hmm. This is from what it appears to be. It is tracking exactly the same way as things happen in the UK as well. If you can go back three or four months and see when the UK had its wave and what they were reporting is the exact same thing. More younger patients who are getting sick much faster and 
much more rapidly as well hmm. so it's tracking so most likely the variant analysis in india is lagging but this for all practical purposes from just tracking symptoms of elsewhere in the world appears to be tracking the same way the kent variation that came out of uk did as well they also had the exact same thing in terms of symptoms too there are new variants dr roy explains so the classical symptoms that we all know are fever cough cold a little bit of shortness of breath there's a body ache some malaise and of course loss of smell and loss of appetite hmm. um some of the new uh, there were some some people were having diarrhea last time but that country that is also a big symptom this time so you, you know don't ignore a diarrhea that could also be covid hmm. uh they continues to be loss of smell loss of appetite a large number of people are reporting conjunctivitis as well this time with uh, this variation so there's a lot of cases of conjunctivitis a lot of rash or happening you know but rash is common across most viral infections hmm. so some people are reporting a rash so it could be anything it could masquerade itself as upper you know common cold hmm. it could masquerade as a full blown pneumonia it could be masquerade itself as hmm. diarrhea that primary presentation of diarrhea hmm. so you know if you have a fever this time of the year hmm. it is corona unless proved otherwise get tested if you are covid negative wait 72 hours and get tested again because a large number of people even though they have symptoms and ct scan that are consistent with covid they see their pcr keeps coming back negative so are you so we do sorry sorry to break up so can we then rely on continue to rely on rt pcr test it's the only test we it's it's still our gold it is still our gold standard but if there is a high index of suspicion right that if your family of five hmm. and four people have covid and you also have fevers and chills and shortness of breath hmm. but your covid keeps come is negative we don't believe it in that case okay but yes rt pcr is still the best test that you have but a big question as we face this massive health crisis is this when will this surge plateau when will it stabilize that unfortunately is not an easy question to answer at the moment for even experts i got in touch with dr murad banaji a mathematician at middlesex university who has an interest in disease modeling and he said that there are too many unknown factors to be able to estimate when the surge will stabilize however he pointed out that some of those states and districts where the infections had hit early on appear to have peaked but none of the states are yet seeing a steady decline in cases um i feel that I can't make an accurate or reliable prediction about when the surge will peak because there are too many unknown factors and I feel that people who are making predictions um really need to take these factors into account um so the unknowns which make it extremely difficult are um well there are many one of them is obviously about variants which variants are circulating where they're circulating in different parts of the country so we don't have enough data on that really to know um so because these different variables likely have different transmissibility um some of them might be able to evade prior immunity um so it's a very complicated situation we also don't know to what extent mitigation is going to work so if you look at a state like maharashtra which is hit um early and hit very badly um some districts have managed to get case numbers down after very strict measures others are still struggling to do so for example mumbai has managed to kind of stabilize cases but not really bring them down very fast so far so you can see that it's going to be very difficult to control hmm. um and that's with some fairly strict measures in place 
So when you put all of that together, it uh, feels like it's too complicated to actually predict how and when this wave is going to wind down. We're going to see different dynamics in different states. And um, once we have clear winding down, perhaps in one or two states, then we can start to, I think, at least guess what will happen nationally. So I would watch, the states I would watch are Maharashtra and Punjab, because they were hit early, and Chandigarh as well. Um, and Delhi, of course. Places. And Delhi, but Delhi was hit a bit later, and Delhi has um, obviously been surging incredibly fast recently. So um, it doesn't feel like it can be brought under control very quickly because of the, um, well, because it was hit a little bit later than Mumbai and Maharashtra in this surge. In this question of what is the difference between the two surges, one of the analytical comparisons that had come up in certain reports is that the mortality rate is significantly lower in this surge. Some reports compare the total deaths in July 2020 when the caseload was high to the recent number of deaths, which comparatively is lower still. Some reports pointed out that even on days when the death count was at a record high, the death rate is observed to be lower than what it was in 2020. But Dr. Banerjee explains why that is an incorrect observation. Um, no, I mean, I wouldn't say that. I actually wrote a piece about specifically about whether that analysis is correct or not. I can um, afterwards maybe point you to it. Sure. But um, I feel that there's many reasons why uh, we shouldn't expect that. There are different things we might mean when we say the death rate is lower or is going to be lower in this way. Mm. One, we might mean that the total number of deaths is going to be lower. And we should remember we're talking about recorded deaths here because we know that many, many deaths are missed as well. So many go unrecorded. Hmm. But is there reason to believe that the total number of deaths recorded or unrecorded is going to be lower? At the moment, I feel no, because hmm. we could see very, very widespread. We're seeing very rapid spread and it could be very wide across the country. Hmm. So infection could reach areas, could reach um, districts which were relatively spared last time. Mm. So we could see a high level of deaths. Um, uh, sorry, let me just rewind a little bit. So the second thing that we might mean when we say that deaths are going to be fewer is we might mean that of the people infected, fewer are going to die. Mm. So rather than talking about total deaths, we could say, okay, let's look at, you know, per infection, how many deaths are you getting? What's called the infection fatality rate. Hmm. Um, there are some reasons why that should be lower this time because we've got some vaccination coverage of the elderly, right. the, uh, you know, and other people who are vulnerable to severe disease. So this should definitely bring down the infection fatality rate. Hmm. Um, we know that even if you can get the disease, if you've been vaccinated, but it should on the whole be less severe. It shouldn't, it shouldn't um, be as harsh and the chances of dying should be lower. So mm. that's one reason, vaccination coverage. Mm. That same argument in general should hold for people who've been infected previously. So rather than being vaccinated, you can have some immunity from previous infection, mm. which pre protects you against very severe disease. Mm. So, you know, there are reasons like that why the infection fatality rate might be lower, but mm. there too, I feel it's premature to say that it definitely will be because mm. there are, arguments why it might be higher. You might have more lethal variants, which become dominant in the country. So variants which actually cause more severe disease. You might have health systems being overwhelmed. We're seeing that really across the country, health systems being overwhelmed, mm. and that can lead to unnecessary deaths. So it can right. lead to deaths, well, let's say avoidable deaths, deaths mm. which um, 
are happening quite simply because there's a lack of medical care. Um, so it's incredibly premature mm. to speculate that deaths will be fewer or that the infection fatality rate will be lower mm. during this wave. That's my feeling. And also we have to factor in the delays that occur between when you see a surge in infection and when you see a surge in death. And doing that is not easy. Those delays are not uniform across the country. Some places the deaths follow actually quite a long time after the cases. So um, putting all that together, Mm. no, I think it's too early to say that um, this wave is going to be any better in terms of mortality. Now, there are a bunch of factors that will determine where the surge is headed from here, such as how promptly can the governments respond to this crisis? How efficiently can it continue with the vaccination drive? Or if people are going to be complying to guidelines and avoid gatherings. In terms of precautions, campaigns for West Bengal state elections are finally starting to slow down, with the Congress and the TMC at least calling off their rallies ahead of the sixth phase of polling that has been scheduled for 22nd April. Elsewhere, in Uttarakhand's Kumbh Mela, which had been touted as a quote-unquote super-spreader by global media, several Akharas are finally pulling out of the pilgrimage after PM Modi's appeal to keep it quote-unquote symbolic. Delhi, which along with Maharashtra reported the highest spike so far on 18th April, has proposed to go into a week-long curfew starting from the night of 19th April to 26th April in a bid to rein in the infections. Following that announcement, Five cities in Uttar Pradesh, such as Lucknow, Varanasi, Gorakhpur, have also announced lockdowns till 26th April. PM Modi is also scheduled to hold meetings with leading doctors from across the country and also top pharma companies via video conferencing on 19th April. But will India be able to ramp up its infrastructure on time? If you like listening to this episode, please subscribe to the Big Story playlist for episodic updates. We'll have on Apple, Google Podcast, Spotify, GeoSavan and most of the other popular podcast streaming platforms. For other podcasts, please log on to the Quinn website and check out the podcast section. For any feedback, shoot an email to podcasts at thequinn.com. Thanks for listening. Log on to the Quinn's website and check out our other podcasts. 